a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. This morning, uh, in the time we've got, I want us to talk to look at uh, a subject I've called having an out there vision. Having an out there vision. Or maybe the door over there, it should be having an out there vision. Because what I want to look at this morning is what we do as a church, what's important to us, but outside this meeting, if you like. Now, we've got a number of things that are important to us as a church. If you've been with us any length of time, you'd have heard me talk about these, I'm sure. Um, they're things like loving God. We want to be a church that loves God. We want to be a church that loves one another. We want to be a church that loves those who don't know Jesus yet. We want to be a church that serves the city and a church that reaches nations. They're the five things that are important to us. That's the sort of church we want Jubilee to be. Now, we don't pretend we're perfect. We haven't got it totally sussed on all these things. We're working at it. God's helping us in the journey. So don't think we've got it all sewn up. We haven't. But these are the things that are important to us. That's what we're working on. And um, I want to focus particularly this morning on loving those who don't know Jesus yet and serving the city. Because a couple of weeks ago, we looked at community life. We launched small groups once again. We looked at loving one another, if you like, in in that context. Well, I want to move on a little bit and look this morning at loving those who don't know Jesus and serving the city. Earlier in the year, we looked at a subject of gathering to worship. And uh, we'll probably look at worship again at this term at some point and look at how we love God together in a sort of corporate setting, what that means. And we'll look at some things that will help us there. But this morning, it's about having an out there vision. You see, it's not just about us. Church is one of the few organizations that exists largely for the people who aren't members of it, actually. Now, you, you sign up to, I don't know, the, uh, the National Trust, for example, and uh, that exists, you know, that does some great things, but, you know, you sign up so you can get something out of it. You belong to a church so you can give something to it. And I want to look this morning at what some of those things are. What, what, what are those things that are important to us? So why don't we pray, and then we'll uh, open up the Bible together and see what God has for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your uh, engaging love towards us. Thank you for the hope you put in our hearts. And Jesus, we open up the word of God now. We pray you'd speak to us, Lord. Pray it would come alive to us. Help us to understand things afresh. Stir our hearts to have an out there vision. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, so loving those who, who don't know Jesus yet, we've often talked about this sort of subject. And this subject particularly doesn't start with great programs. Okay? It doesn't start with great events. It doesn't start with great courses. It doesn't start with great ministries. Actually, loving those who don't know Jesus yet actually starts in your heart. It actually starts inside you. It starts with compassion. 
See, it's so important that we understand this because sometimes we can think, oh, well, loving people who don't know Jesus yet, oh, that's about, maybe that's about you know, running a project, like, you know, Smile, we'll talk about that in a little while. Or it might be about running a course like Alpha, like we've talked about. We might think, oh, that's what it means. Well, that's an outworking of it, but it doesn't start there. It starts way back over here somewhere when God does something in your heart and gives you compassion for people. So if you look through the Gospels, time and time again, you'll find that Jesus had compassion on people. His heart was moved by compassion. Four times in the Gospel of Matthew alone, we're told that Jesus was moved by compassion. He had a heart that was moved. He saw a situation, he saw people, he saw a crowd. Well, actually, he didn't just see a crowd, he saw a whole bunch of individuals, of people that he knew were far from God's that he loved, and he wanted them to encounter him. And so his heart was moved. He allowed God to do something in his heart. He allowed the Spirit, if you like, to speak to him and and get that sense of God wanting to do something, and God's compassion on the situation. So he, he saw people who needed healing, and he had compassion on them. He saw a crowd of people. Uh, who maybe were listening, and he had compassion on them. I want to ask you, friends, this morning, do you have compassion? Do you have compassion? When you think about the city that we live in, maybe in a part of Derby that you're in or, 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 or around, have you got compassion on that area, on those people? Is that a defining word over your life? Jesus in Matthew 9, just one example. Verse 36, Matthew 9, verse 36. When he, when he, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. But before he talked about What's going to happen? Before even he encouraged his disciples to pray, his heart was moved. And friends, that's where it starts. That's where it has to start. Because if it doesn't start there, it's just about doing something in your own strength. It's just about running a project or an event or a course. And it's just something that you, 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 you do. And those things are tiring. <laughs> they take effort. They take hard work. They take time and energy. And unless your heart has been moved by compassion, unless God has done something in you, you'll get worn out. I guarantee it. You will. I've seen it time and time again. I see it sometimes in my own life. Because you can just get into doing something. You think, oh, it's just tiring. I think, ah, it's particularly tiring because I haven't allowed God to do something in my heart. I want to urge you this morning, allow God to do something in your heart. The parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm sure many of you know it. Someone comes to Jesus and says, so this loving your neighbour, who is my neighbour? And Jesus tells a story to help him understand. And the story is somebody who is very different to him. And Jesus explains what loving your neighbour means. It means serving and loving and giving even if they're very different to you. 
Well, it's probable that no matter where you live in, in Derby or, or around, if you're just visiting us, probably your neighbour, the person who lives next to you, be it in your uh, halls of residence, your flat, your home, wherever you live, probably the person next to you doesn't know Jesus yet. Or if they do, then probably the person next door to them doesn't. Because some of you are thinking, I know my neighbour, I know they do. Well, I'm suggesting that maybe a couple of doors down, all right? The people who are close to you, in your, in your surroundings where you live, where home is for you, they probably don't know Jesus. So my question to you this morning is, how can you love them? How can you demonstrate something of God's love to him or to her? Think about a person for the moment. Maybe you know their name, maybe you don't. You've probably seen them out washing their car or walking a dog or taking their kids to school or just heading out to the shops. Think about them for a moment. How can you show God's love to them? How can you demonstrate something of God's heart towards them? You're asking God to give you compassion for them. In, in Luke 15, Jesus tells uh, three parables about things that were lost. And we haven't got time this morning to get into them in great detail. But Jesus tells a parable of a lost sheep, then a parable of a lost coin, and finally a parable of a lost son. It's like they increase in worth every time. Sheep, coin, son. And what Jesus is trying to do by telling these three stories He's illustrating to us that we can lose things and we search for them and want to find them. But people who are far from God, God's got a real heart for them. You may describe them as perhaps far from him or lost. Well, Jesus wants us to understand that people like that, God really loves. Maybe you're like that this morning. Maybe you're just visiting us here and you think, oh, I'm not sure I actually know God. I'm just here with a friend. I'm just checking it out. Listen, God loves you. You may be far from him. You may feel you're heading towards finding out more about him. The Bible is very clear. God loves you. And Jesus wants us to understand that for you this morning, but also for those that we encounter, those that we serve. Lost people, people who are far from God, matter to him. And because they matter to God, they should matter to us as well. So I want to ask you, do people who don't know Jesus yet matter to you? And you can answer that question not by just a simple yes or no, but you can answer that question by looking at your diary or maybe by looking at your bank statements, looking at what you do with your time during the month. It's not about you just saying yes or no as you sit in a comfortable seat on a Sunday morning. We'd all say, yeah, of course they do. But actually, how does it work out for you if you were to look at your time, your schedule, your week or your month? Are you investing time in looking at to, to love people, to demonstrate God's love to them? Do you spend time on that? Do you spend money on it? Do you give yourself to that? Because we can all sit here. I've, I've done it so many times. We can all sit in a meeting and say, oh yeah, I, I, I sign up to that. But actually the reality is, how does that work out in your life? How does it work out in my life? I feel God's challenge to us this morning is... Do people who don't know Jesus yet really matter to us? Because if they do, it will change the way we spend our lives, what we do with our time, our money, our leisure. 
And we exist even as a church because lost people matter to Jesus. We started Jubilee to reach people who are far from God. That's why we came. That's why we started. Because there's a whole city, the majority of whom didn't have a relationship with God. Now there are a whole bunch of great churches in the city. I've been with a number of different leaders this week from other churches in the city. They're doing great things. We're not saying they're not doing it. They are. But we are saying it's a massive place and a whole load of people we want to reach. So we want to play our part in it. We want to give our energy and our time and our effort into it. There are around about 300,000 people in Derby and the surrounding areas. It depends where you draw the boundaries, doesn't it, these sort of figures. But it's a lot. And a vast majority of them don't know Jesus yet. And you know what? You and I, we can make a difference. You can make a difference. Even this morning, as you're thinking about, well, what does that mean for me? You can make a difference. It might only be a small act. It might be something really straightforward, very simple, but you can make a real difference in someone's life. You could really demonstrate to them and show them that God loves them in a very simple way. But you could do it just by taking an interest, just by maybe offering to pray, just by taking the dog out for a walk, just by clearing the drive when it's snowy, just by whatever it might be, really simple things that just show them people in a practical way that, that God loves them and so do you. So often we think that when we talk about evangelism, we think that it's an event and it's about somebody becoming a Christian. Well, friends, that only happens at the end of a journey. See, evangelism is a process. Loving people who don't know Jesus yet is a process. It's a journey. It's a walk that you take with someone. And at some point in that walk, there is a line that they cross and put their trust in Jesus. And many of you will have crossed that line. And you continue your walk with God and your trust in him and your journey as you continue your life. But listen, back here, there's a whole distance between where someone starts and that line of faith that they cross. Listen, success evangelistically for you, for anybody that you're reaching, is moving someone along that line a bit further. A little bit further. You might move them from here to there. You might be, they might be up here already. You might give them a couple more steps towards a relationship with God. Sometimes you might encounter somebody that other people have been praying for, maybe for many years. Other people have moved them along the line, moved them in their journey towards God. And you get the joy and the thrill and the privilege of helping them cross that line of faith and they put their trust in Jesus. And that's great when that happens. But listen, back here... These steps that they take towards that, that's success. You can play a part in that. You may not get the cross the line bit. You may be back here somebody with someone. Friends, you see a friend of yours, somebody that you're loving, reaching, praying for, take a step or two towards Jesus. That is success. You have done well. I want to encourage us this morning So look at making those differences in people's lives. You can really do that. You can. Jesus said, go and make disciples. The emphasis is on the going, isn't it? It's it's an active thing. It's action. It's not just staying here. It's having an out there vision. It's doing something about it. Go and make disciples. Go and do it. You can make a real difference. I want you to understand this morning that you can make a difference right where you are. 
You might think, oh, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not sure how I'd share my faith. I'm not sure this. I'm not sure that. I'm not like this person or that person. Listen, all of you can help somebody on their journey of faith. Take a step or two. We can all do it. You really can. Now, I'm not saying it's not important you don't know how to share your faith. Is I'd encourage you to learn that. Maybe you need to practice it, explain, work out how you'd share your faith with somebody, what you'd say, how you'd put it. Work out how you'd bring somebody to faith in Christ if you got them to this line. But hey, back here, there's a whole space where you can make a real difference. So I want to encourage you, you know, invest time in building those sort of friendships with people. Discover their stories, what's important to them. Ask the Holy Spirit what the next step is for them. And we're trusting for many next Sunday. The next step is coming to a service like we're hosting here uh, next week with Mike as we seek to pray for people. So that's what you can do personally. I wonder what you can do as a, as a life group. Those of you who are in a life group, what can you do as a small group loving people who are far from God? Maybe you want to talk about that when you meet next. Not this week because we're praying on Friday at 7.30 at the Hallmark Hotel, but you knew that. The week after when you meet, when you gather. What can you do as a group to reach people? Honestly, a church that loves people who don't know Jesus yet. You know, throw some parties as a life group. Invite loads of friends around. Just be with people. Demonstrate God's love to them in all sorts of practical ways. Let's be trusting God for exciting stories as we as we do that. But as well as Loving people who don't know Jesus yet. We want to be a church that serves the city. That's having an out there vision as well. A church that serves the city. And um, the classic passage really on this is from Jeremiah 29. And just a bit of background before I read these few verses to you. Jeremiah's a prophet. It's in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And uh, the people of God, well, it's not going well for them. Loads of them have been taken off. By, um, by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. So they've been taken away and uh, the, the Babylonians are in charge now. That, that's, that's not good. They're, they're not nice people a lot of the time. And um, they're, they're now in charge in Judah and um, they've taken a whole bunch of people off, including Daniel, and we'll be looking at Daniel probably early part of next year. But Jeremiah, well, he's a prophet. And God's spoken to him. And he writes a letter over to the the captives that are in Babylon. So in Jeremiah 29, he writes a letter to the exiles. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priest, the prophet, and all the other people. Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's his dear so-and-so bit. Okay, that's what he's doing. He's writing this letter. And what Jeremiah says in verse 4, chapter 29, is this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too will have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, 
Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. I was looking through my notes last night, as um, just preparing again for this morning. And I suddenly realized, I don't think I'd noticed it in the week when I was preparing in, in this depth. Notice that it's God who has carried these people into exile. Yes, it's Nebuchadnezzar that has come and conquered, and the Babylonians are there and they've taken the people off. But above all that, it's God who has done it. That's what the Bible tells us. It's God who's carried these people into exile. And God has done something here. And it may be, you, you know, you may not be in exile in Derby. Some of you may think you, it feels like it. Um, but it's still God who has brought you here. Now you may think that you came here to university because the course you wanted to do was on and you thought, oh, I'm going to go there. It may be you came here to marry somebody who was here already. It may be you came for a job. You applied for a job. I said, well, it's in Derby. You said, well, it's okay. I like the job. I'll go. Maybe you grew up here. Maybe you've been here all your life. Maybe you grew up, you went away, and now you've come back again. Whatever it is for you, above all those reasons, it's God. So we're told here about the exiles. It's God that took them off into exile. And actually, it's God who has got you here. You may be thinking, some of you may even be thinking, I'm not sure I want to be here. Right now, it's God who has got you here. And while he's got you here, he has plans and purposes for you. Every single one of you. Jeremiah is writing to people who are away from home. As Christians, it's a bit like that for us. We're citizens of heaven now. We've put our trust in God, but we're away from home. <laughs> we're here. What does God say to us? Well, don't sit around just wishing you were in heaven. Build houses. Settle down. Plant. Eat. Marry. Have a family. See your children marry and have a family. Increase in number. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Pray for it. If the city prospers, so will you. That's what God says to us, as Jeremiah was saying to the people. You see, I love this city. God called me here. I love the fact that there's loads of investment going on. New buildings, even where we're meeting now, Quad is an example of that, isn't it? Just over recent years, new investments. Lots going on. But you see, Derby should be a better place because we're here. Derby should be a better place to live because there's a church here. I don't just mean our church, I mean the church right across the city. Derby should be a better place for our children to grow up in because there are churches here full of people who love Jesus and want to make a difference in the city. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? That's how it should be. So what does it mean when we, when we pray for the city? Well, we should be praying for it, praying for those in authority, for those in, in, in education or in business. Let's be praying for God to prosper it. Let's be looking for ways to serve the city because serving the city spreads the good name of Jesus and his church. You see, we should be looking at making a real difference here. So how can you serve the city personally? Well, firstly, you can pray. We can all pray, can't we? And you can support those in authority. 
Maybe you can do something practically. Uh, for, for me, I've become a school governor recently. Because uh, I thought, I want to do something that serves the city, that has a benefit to people, and uh, makes a real difference. Well, that's something I can do. And uh, maybe others of you, God will call on you for that. You'll be getting involved in that sort of world. Maybe for others of you, you might become a counsellor. You might be thinking, me, a counsellor? You might think, well, listen, maybe God's got that for you in the future. Maybe you'd make a real difference in the city. God would call you into that arena. Maybe some of you he'd call into politics. Who knows? But we should be looking at making a real difference here, personally. Make a real difference as a small group as well. And we can also make a real difference as a, as a church. And uh, we want to be demonstrating God's love in really practical ways, in, in different ways right across the city. And uh, one of the ways we, we're doing that currently is with our Smile Project. And it's really great to have George here this morning. Hi, George. And uh, George's mum, Gemma. Hi, Gemma. In fact, why don't you come up now, Gemma? And with Gemma's uh, going to just, in a few minutes, going to tell you a bit about the Smile Project that we run. And uh, George has been part of that right from the, uh, the earliest days. And um, I want you to hear, not from me, about what happens. I want you to hear from Gemma because she's experienced it firsthand, okay? So can we give her a round of applause? Hey! There you go, you want to hold that, okay? First of all, I'll introduce myself. My name's Gemma Walker, and uh, my little boy, George. Uh, George is nearly 11, he has Down syndrome, and um, learning disabilities with that. Um, I have another little boy, Charlie, he's nearly eight. Um, George has been with Smile since day one, really. There's lots of photos behind me. Um, it really benefits us as a family because um, it gets me, it gets for me to spend time with my other little boy, and we'll go to the park and do things that are quite difficult. If George has got one on him and he doesn't want to do anything, um, or I just get to do things um, without having to think what's he doing all the time, i.e., ironing and the boring things of life that you have to do. Um, but for George, mainly it, it is for George where we take him. While, while obviously we take him because. It's when you have a child with additional needs, there's no sort of, there's no peer group there. There's no way he doesn't go to anybody's house for tea or he doesn't stay over or um, he doesn't really socialise outside of school with any of his peers. And so it's really good. He goes and he, he's, there, he's there with the with the staff and I know he's really well cared for. And they just do really good things together. He, um, he really enjoys going and they went to Happy Hens yesterday. And had a went some head collecting and went on a tractor that he's never shut up about since <laughs> <laughs> about the tractor, and it, the staff are just absolutely amazing. And I just personally want to thank them because they're volunteering their time um, for for our, for our children, and it, it is an amazing job that they do. It really is. So thank you from me and George. Thank you so much because you all put in so much time and. Like I say, it's just lovely to know that I can go and I can drop George off, and he's just so well looked after. And it's, it's just, he just really looks forward to going. So that's just like a big bonus for us. And it, just, it is just brilliant. And there's a lot of George's um, school as well. There's, there, well, that's one of uh, George's friends that's in his class. So he gets to see children that he's, he's, uh, he's with as well. So it is lovely. So thank you very much. Thank you, Gemma. Well done. Thank you. Isn't that great? 
That is so much better than me saying it. You have no idea. Thank you so much for coming and sharing it. It's really great to have you and George here this morning. And um, I'm, just, I'm thrilled that you know, Smile has been so helpful to you. Um, I remember, I think it was the first morning that we ran it. I'm not sure if it, Gemma, if it was you or somebody else. When, when they came back to collect their child at the end of the morning, we, we said, just in conversation, so what have you done this morning? Had, have you enjoyed the time you've had? And they said, yeah, I, I managed to go home, I had a cup of, made a cup of tea, and I drank it while it was hot. Because normally for them, They've got a child around who uh, you know, needs their attention. They might make a cup of tea, put it to one side, and by the time they get to it again, it's just gone cold. And that meant so much to them. It's such a simple act. And smile you know, takes a lot of effort and energy to run, um, but the idea is very simple. It's not complicated. And... It just makes such a difference in people's lives. And I want us to realise that Smile isn't just something that is some, somewhere, just a little group of people that happen to run. This is us as a church looking to make a difference in the city that God has called us to. Now, some of you are involved in that already. In fact, if you're involved in Smile, why don't you stand up right now? We're going to give you a round of applause. So if, you've, if you're involved in the Smile team, can you stand right now? There you go. I know there's others as well. So thank you guys. I know there's others who are in, involved as well who aren't here, here this morning, aren't in the meeting. But it does make a real difference. But it's not just about them doing it, it's about us doing it together. So I want to encourage us to pray for them. Maybe some of you after this morning are thinking, actually I could get involved in that. Well, you know, go and see Hannah or, or Vicky or Sarah or Adam or one of the others and just say, how can I get involved you see, it's part of us making a difference. That's what serving the city is. It's looking for a practical way where we can bless people and make a difference in people's lives. See, Derby should be a better place to be because the church is here. Well, that's just one example. And I'm trusting that as that grows, that will uh, bless more families. I'm trusting there'll be other things that we'll do in the future that again will reach other people and bless them as well. And many of you, I'm sure, will be involved in those things. But as we wrap up, let me summarise by saying this. Sometimes we can be fooled into thinking that if the church doesn't have a particular programme for it, it's not important. Friends, that's not true. Because it all starts with compassion in your heart. And so you might do something as an individual. You might do something as a life group. Or it might be a bigger thing that we organise as a church. It's not about whether it's an organised programme or not. It's about what has God done in your heart and how do you work it out. So it comes back really to where we started about compassion. And you see, you can make a real difference. Simple acts of kindness done in Jesus' name can make a huge difference to people. really blesses them. They receive it. They love it. I want to encourage us and urge us to, to give ourselves to these things, to have an out there vision, not just about our gatherings on a Sunday, good though they are, and I love them, and they are vitally important to us. Because it's in this context that we encounter God together, we worship him, he speaks to us, he stirs our hearts, 
And we need that as well. It's not that this isn't important. This is vitally important. We must make sure we gather together. We receive from God. We encounter him afresh. But it's in order, not that we go out and say, well, that was a nice meeting, wasn't it? See you next Sunday. But rather that we go out going, having been filled with God's presence once again, we go out saying, hey, how can I live this out? How can I make a difference where I live? How can I love people who don't know Jesus yet? How can I serve this city that God has called me to? What can I do that will spread the good name of Jesus and his church where I live, where I work, where I hang out? And that's what we should all be saying. That's what having an out there vision is all about. So let me ask you, who can you show God's love to today? How can you love those who don't know Jesus yet? How can you, as an individual, serve the city? How can you live out an out there vision? Let's stand together. I'm going to pray as we close our time together. Rather than just um, pray and dismiss this, I just want to just take a few moments as we stand together. I want to. I just want to urge you to quieten your heart before God and think about what your answer might be to those questions. How can you love those who don't know Jesus yet? How can you serve the city? How can you live out an out there vision? What's your answer to that this morning? Maybe your answer needs to be asking God to move your heart with compassion. Maybe that's the starting point for you. And if that's your starting point, friends, that's a great starting point. Maybe even, in the, maybe even in these moments, God's going to drop some things into your minds that you can do. Maybe in these moments, God's going to speak to some of you about things that we can do. I really believe that. I want to pray now. I ask God to come. Holy Spirit, we so love you. We love your presence. We do thank you for looking at these things this morning. Jesus, thank you that your heart was moved by compassion. And we want to pray, God, move our heart with compassion, please. Compassion for those who don't know you yet. Compassion for those who are marginalized by society. Compassion for different situations and people that we could love. We pray, God, do that in our heart, even this morning. And God, I want to pray right now as we stand in your presence in these few moments of quiet, I pray you would speak to every heart. Lord, whether it to be to break out hearts afresh with your compassion for people, or whether it to speak words into our lives, things that we can do as individuals, or that our life group can do, or maybe that our church could do. So Holy Spirit, just in these moments of quiet, please speak to us. Please drop seeds of thought into our minds right across this room. Lord, we want to be living an out there vision. We're living it out well. We're going to be loving you, loving one another. 
We really want to be loving those who don't know Jesus yet and serving our city and reaching nations for you. So God, please help us with these things. Holy Spirit, help us not to do it in our own strength, but to rely on you. Thank you that you breathe upon us. Thank you, God, that you give us energy and faith. I pray you do that even now, Lord, not that we try and live these things out in our own strength, but we'd receive from you all that we need to live out all that you're speaking us, all that you're speaking to, all that you're speaking to us about, Lord. Holy Spirit, please breathe on us right now. I pray in the few days ahead this week, God, that you'd continue speaking to us, continue melting our hearts with compassion, continue speaking to us about ways we can serve you in these different areas. And God, we want to pray again for next Sunday. Father, we pray for a great morning. Jesus, we pray for many guests, many visitors. We pray that we see people healed next Sunday. God, we pray we'd see many come to faith next Sunday. And I pray for each of us, God, we'd see many of our friends move forward in their journey of faith towards you in these days ahead. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.